Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. The Biden administration's clean energy and nature conservation goals are in conflict out west, and Republicans aren't happy where they landed. Last month, the White House unveiled a historic $1 billion deal that would lay the groundwork for removing four hydropower dams on the Snake River, a major waterway in the Pacific Northwest. The deal is supposed to help restore salmon populations and suspend litigation from tribes and green groups. But it also has powerful opponents, hence a hearing called yesterday by House Energy and Commerce Committee Chair Kathy McMorris-Rogers, who just so happens to be a Washington Republican. So today, we chat with Politico's Annie Snyder on why the Snake River is a damn big deal. It's Wednesday, January 31st. So there has really been decades of fighting over a set of dams along the Columbia River system. A little bit of context here, the Columbia River system across the Pacific Northwest is just this absolutely massive hydropower system that's been built out. They provide just enormous amounts of baseload power across the Pacific Northwest, and that is hugely important to the stability of the Western grid and provides really important low-cost power across the region. However, in the decades since those dams were built, you know, the 60s and 70s, we've come to understand the environmental impact of those dams. And in particular, there's become a lot of focus along four dams at the sort of very end of the system. These are dams along the Lower Snake River, which is a tributary to the Columbia River system and is home to some iconic salmon runs. And of course, we now understand that these dams block passage for salmon, steelhead, other fish, but particularly these fish that are trying to make it to their historic spawning grounds. And another reason that these Snake River dams have gotten a lot of attention is because this region is home to a series of tribes for whom these salmon and fish species are incredibly culturally important. And so for the past two decades, there has been just really fierce litigation over the operation of the system. And so the Biden administration decided they really wanted to take on this issue. And what they revealed in December was an agreement that would prompt a long-term pause in the litigation in exchange for a series of actions that are really meant to lay the groundwork for removal of the dams. And so it does things like investing large sums of money in fish recovery and habitat, but also in supporting tribes to develop the kind of clean energy that would be needed to replace the hydropower from those dams. I mean, it's an enormous amount of energy, 1,000 to 3,000 megawatts of hydropower that would need to be replaced. And it also calls for a series of studies to look at what it would take to replace the transportation benefits, irrigation, recreational benefits. So it's not actually calling for removal of the dams, but it is taking a series of actions that are meant to sort of lead up to that in the future, potentially. And Republican lawmakers from the region, though, have staunchly opposed any discussion of removing the dams. So what did they say about this deal at the hearing? Yeah, absolutely. This has been a really fierce point of political contention. Opponents very strongly oppose any discussion of dam removal and, of course, are led by Kathy McMorris-Rogers, the powerful chairwoman of the Energy and Commerce Committee. She called this hearing on Tuesday saying that even discussing removing dams is a threat to the way of life in eastern Washington. Critics have questioned a number of things around the dams. First of all, they question the science that the dams are crucial to recovery of the salmon species. They point to other factors, which scientists agree are also factors. 
what opponents of dam removal say is that we need to really be focusing on those things over there rather than on dam removal. They also raise questions about the expense of removing the dams, not just the actual act of removing the dams and the liability associated with that, but also the cost of replacement power. We saw the head of the Bonneville Power Administration, which is the entity that sells the power from these hydropower dams, acknowledge that we don't know exactly what it would take to replace the power produced by these dams, but most likely it would lead to rate increases. And then we've also seen opponents sort of criticize the process, say that this deal came about through backdoor deals and a lot of secrecy and the line that you often hear that wasn't inclusive enough of all points of view. And there seems to be a real tension here between two big goals for the Bond administration, recovering species and hitting clean energy goals. So how did that tension play out at the hearing? Yeah, it is a really tough one. And I'd actually even put a finer point on it. It's not just the tension between recovery of species and clean energy goals, but the fact that these species are so important to tribes. It's kind of a tension between tribal interests and clean energy goals. Part of what they've done here in this agreement is call for not just replacing the power, but replacing it through tribal energy projects. But there is a chunk of the power that these dams provide now. They don't know where it would come from yet. It would have to come through something like hydrogen, something that's not yet readily available, or at least is not even close to price competitive, to be able to provide the baseload power that these dams provide. And the other thing that's worth noting here is that There is some political tension around the fact that what the Biden administration has said they want to do is not just meet the Endangered Species Act goal of recovering these species and bringing them to sustainable populations, but actually a higher bar that's important to the tribes, which is abundant and harvestable populations of species. You know, again, these salmon and steelhead are culturally important. There are treaties signed with many of these tribes promising the ability to fish and hunt in their historic ways. And the decline in salmon populations has threatened that. And so what the tribes want is not just, you know, a recovered species, but a level of recovery that would allow them to harvest these species that are so important to them. And so that is actually a higher bar than what is required under the Endangered Species Act. Interesting. And then just moving beyond this hearing, you note that Congress actually holds the ultimate authority over dam removals. So what would it take for Congress to stop the deal that the Biden administration worked out, and how likely is that? Yeah, so there's two different things at play here. One is blocking this most recent agreement from the Biden administration, the settlement agreement. We've seen some legislation filed by Congressman Dan Newhouse, who is also of Eastern Washington, that would block this settlement agreement, which is still going through the courts. But then the broader question is what happens down the road if the Biden administration or a future administration decides they want to remove the dams. If we see this process play out, the sort of pieces come into place that would allow for dam removal and they actually want to do it, that's an act that has to be authorized by Congress. These are federally authorized dams. And in fact, part of this legal settlement agreement here reiterates the idea that Congress is the ultimate authority over whether or not these dams get removed. And so it wouldn't require a proactive act to block it. It would require a proactive act of Congress to make dam removal happen. And I think it's it's interesting to note here that the dynamics around dam removal are very political on the Hill, but have changed some in recent years. So I think that's sort of one of the quieter untold stories of recent years, the, the way in which there has been sort of a path forward around hydropower you know, that I think all sides would agree makes sense, that really cuts against this overarching political dynamic that we tend to think more about. Also, the largest offshore wind farm in the United States received the last two major federal approvals it needed to begin construction. 
That's what Dominion Energy announced on Tuesday for its 2.6 gigawatt coastal Virginia offshore wind project. President Joe Biden has set a goal to deploy 30 gigawatts of offshore wind energy capacity by 2030. But the Dominion Energy announcement lands as the U.S. offshore wind industry faces continued economic challenges that have prompted developers to cancel contracts and cast doubt on the future of other projects. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com slash power dash switch. And subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. And that's our show. I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back tomorrow. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Chevron is taking action to keep methane in the pipe. Their 2028 upstream methane intensity target is set to be 53% below the 2016 baseline. And they're committed to evolving facility designs and operating practices. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash methane.